Genesis 3, 3, 3. The fall, the fall, the fall. Gerald's back. Gerald the marauder, prowling the seven seas of his five-gallon nanotank, looking for people who mess with him. You want a piece of me? You want a piece of me? Go ahead. I dare you. I double dare you to knock this battery off my shoulder. Oh, wait a minute. I don't have a shoulder. (laughs) I think Gerald's getting better, but he still has white fins and white blotchy patches on his back. I don't believe that's ick, but that's what stress does to you. And before he was swimming like a crazy person sometimes, as if he was being electrocuted from within, but he's not doing that anymore. Now he's swimming around again and he's looking for those ghost shrimp guys because he wants to tell them, he wants to give them a piece of his mind. He wants to tell them, hey, I don't know where you four guys came from, but I'm the big boss and we do things. This is my town. This town ain't big enough for the both of us. So you just mind your P's and Q's. The shrimp guys are very docile. They just go around on the surf, on the ground doing their thing. Although they can, they can fly, swim, crawl up the tank wall. They can walk upside down on leaves. These guys are amazing and they can move very fast. One guy saw Gerald coming and he literally disappeared from one place to another. It was like he disappeared from one spot and reappeared in another spot. It was so fast, I couldn't believe it. But I think they tend to be more nocturnal, these shrimp guys, because they were really out in the day yesterday when I got them, but now I only see them coming out at night. They don't really do anything in the day. They just kind of hang out somewhere on the ground. But now I see them floating around at night. So shrimp are nocturnal. Anyways, Gerald doesn't get scared of me like he did before. I put my fingers against the glass of the aquarium and he kind of puffs up his face. He gives me the stink face. He's got the really blue eyes and the stink face that says, hey, I think your three fingers are three intruders. You better not mess with me. I'm Gerald and I'm coming to get you. My hero is Rambo and I'm back, baby. And I'm loving every moment of it. In the fall, It says, now the serpent, in Genesis 3, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. What does it mean, crafty? I have my mother's um, King James, and it says, now the serpent was more subtle. S-U-B-T-I-L. I I never saw it spelled like that before. Subtle. Than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. What does that mean, subtle and crafty? Is that how the animal was before? If there was no sin in the Garden of Eden, why would it be crafty or subtle? Or is this just a judgment of the animal because of what it did or what it became later on? I really don't know. When I was a kid, I remember reading a comic book version adaption of The Fall. Marvel Comics had drawn a big book and it was a a cartoon. It was a comic book of Genesis. And I remember them drawing the serpent. It had a lot of legs, 
and it had a lot of plumage like a like a turkey and for me it kind of failed it looked like a gigantic centipede it didn't really look that amazing maybe they were trying to represent that it was the most beautiful creature in the garden of eden but somehow it morphed into what we know today anyways i don't know what was in their thinking but i do remember there was such a book so i am not making this up marveled comics had published a book like that in the 70s or 80s it was just a comic book it's when the comics used to say approved by the comic code they had that little stamp at the top right hand corner of every comic book that they sold and i think dc had the same thing but i could be wrong i'm just quoting from memory so he says to the woman did god actually say you should not eat of the tree in the garden oh so immediately there's some doubt there so genesis 1 2 revelation 21 and 22 no sin no problem everything is working harmoniously but in genesis 3 at quote the beginning of the world unquote we got a problem houston all of a sudden somebody shows up with an alternative voice and says oh did god really say what you thought maybe you got it wrong maybe he said that but maybe he didn't mean what he said what did he mean what god says and what god means is two different things or i'm or no i'm not i'm not disbelieving what you're saying what i'm saying is what i'm saying is that maybe there's some doubt about you or maybe there's some doubt about god maybe he's telling you one thing but he really means something else or maybe god is not as authentic and generous generous as you think he is maybe god is a little mm, disgenuous hmm what do you think i mean i'm not saying but you know you know what i'm saying i mean what is god's will and she says we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden but god said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden neither shall you touch it lest you die is that what god said so god said where did did god say that i was looking for the example of what god said in genesis verse 2 and in genesis verse 2 sorry genesis chapter 2 verse 15 the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of eden to work it and keep it as the lord god commanded the man saying you may surely eat of every tree of the garden but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die did she repeat that she um eve said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden and she adds neither shall you touch it so that's not in genesis 2 that's in genesis 3 lest you die so eve adds a little bit to it is that is that broken telephone is that kind of a parlance on broken telephone to say human beings will always say something have you ever heard of that game broken telephone a person um is told something they turn around and repeat it to someone else and you only get to do it once and then the someone else gets to do it and by the time the message goes around 
to the end and then the end person says okay repeat what you just heard and what they repeat is somewhat different or very different than the original message and everybody usually laughs when you play a game like this broken telephone so eve kind of adds to it but she doesn't really det- she kind of asks you like it's if you can't even touch it like don't even touch it maybe god said that to adam in genesis 2 but it didn't it didn't record that in genesis 2 but she added something about you can't even touch it so it sounded like she took it really 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 seriously eve took eve took the warning very seriously and if you look at the text in genesis 2 it seems that god was just speaking to adam and quote and eve quote hadn't yet been born yet unquote or she wasn't around or she wasn't she wasn't present with Adam when that was told. So God originally gave the original command to Adam, and then maybe he told her when she came back, or maybe she got you know, made from the rib, and then um, um, Adam says, Oh, I shall love you forever. You are the flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. You shall be called woman, for you came from a man. Wow, that's poetry. Oh, by the way, honey, I just want to let you know that God who created me and you said, uh, Don't touch... You see that tree over there, the one with the really good-looking fruit? Don't touch it, because you're going to die. And I would wonder if they even knew what dying meant. What does it mean to die? You mean die spiritually? Die physically? Like, nobody's dead. Has anybody ever died before? Are there dead animals? Uh, do they have autumn there? Do the, tree, do the leaves come off the trees? Anyways, I'm just, get caught in, just getting caught in the weeds. But you know what I'm trying to say to you. So God has said something... And then this alternative voice in this tree, this alternative spiritual voice has said, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd want to clarify that, you know, before you get all bent out of shape about what God said or what he didn't say, I want to think, well, what, what did he really say? I mean, is it as bad as all that? Verse five, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, now there's not only doubt, it's kind of like, is this an accusation? Like God is kind of keeping something from you. Hey, hey, I don't want to be saying stuff. You know, I'm saying, just saying, you know, I'm just saying, I'm not saying God's a bad guy. I'm just saying you got a little bit of knowledge. I'm here to give you more. See, I'm here to add to the picture. And when I add to the picture, then it will be complete. See, God doesn't want you to have this. I mean, I personally do. I'm for you. God's not for you. I'm for you. See, God's just kind of lying to you. He didn't tell you a a falsehood. He just kind of kept the whole truth from you, which is omission of truth. I mean, isn't this just, don't you just love this? Don't you just love how this guy lies? I remember reading a C.S. Lewis book, and it was a story about a perfect race on Venus and the woman was being was having multiple dialogue conversations with something in the tree just like this but it wasn't just a one-time deal it was a bunch of conversations that happened over time so in Genesis 3 how long from the creation of the world and the creation of Adam and Eve did this conversation when did this conversation occur how much more time later was it one week was it one month was it one year? Was it did millions and billions of years go by? 
before finally Eve plucked up the nerve to walk by the tree. And maybe she wasn't, maybe she was curious. Curious killed the cat. Your curiosity killed the cat. Not to say that she's Catwoman, but do you know what I mean? She's just walking along, minding her own business. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, the snake boy in the tree says, Psst, come here. I want to talk to you. <laughs> Have you ever seen the movies where the guy with the long coat says, Psst, hey, you want to buy some, uh, you want to buy some um, knives? Real cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a deal for you. You know, and then he's got a cloak and he opens up the cloak and he shows you all the stuff that he's selling. And it's it's really cheap. You know, he's going to give you, quote, the deal of the century, unquote. I saw that in a movie once or maybe it was a comic. Yeah, come here. I got a deal for you. Hey, psst, psst, come here. Come here, honey. You're a nice looking woman walking along, minding her own business in the cloak of light, like your cloak of light. Um. Can I talk to you for a second? Hey, I just just take a minute of your time. See, that's how it goes. I don't know. Maybe she was curious. Maybe she was looking for knowledge. Maybe she was bored. Can you possibly be bored if you're perfect and you've never sinned? How did this conversation happen? Were there more than one? So she seems to defend God, but he seems to be, um, he's persistent. He's a persistent snake guy. Now there's the question, you know, was it a snake possessed by it by the by the devil? Can we assume it's the devil? I mean, I don't I don't think that the devil would leave this job to the demons. Hey, I want you to go tempt the woman uh, on the earth, um, but you can't leave the tree. It's part of the conditions. Uh, hey, boss, uh, what 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 tree? <laughs> hey, Muggsy, come here. No matter how many times, Muggsy, you always upset me. I don't know how you've done it, but you've done it. Okay, uh, I'm sorry, boss. I didn't mean to upset you. I'm sorry. Okay, look, I'll do it myself. So I'm going to assume that either Satan turned into a snake or he possessed a snake. How would I really know? In the book of Revelation, it says the serpent that deceived the whole world. And that seems to point right to Satan. Do I believe that Satan took the form of a snake or possessed a snake? Yeah. Why a, why, why a snake? Why? Because it was crafty? Because it was really smart? Because it was a smart animal? I really don't know. Why that animal? Why is that animal in the tree? It seems that he can't leave the tree. The tree of good and evil is sort of a, a force field, a containment for a reality that does not flow like the rest of the reality. Everything outside the tree of good and evil is perfectly in harmony with God. Everything flows according to God's will, except this thing in the tree, except inside this little bubble, this little universe around the tree where it's, it's good, but there's evil there. There's, there's a wildness there. There's a badness there. There's a potential for error there. There's sin there. God's will is being other-centered, but inside this thing, this, this snake, inside this universe dominated by the, the tree of good and evil, there's self there. There's the capacity of self. Does that sound bad to think for self or self? Because that's what people who detract against God will say. Well, God is a dictator and he doesn't let you think for yourself. 
with God, you're a slave because God doesn't allow you to make your own choices. Is that really true? Isn't, isn't the devil the one that tempts people with addictions? Yeah, sure, you're in charge. Just take one drink. Just take, just, just smoke this one cigarette. You'll be fine. You'll be good. You'll be okay. And then somehow it morphs into an addiction. Then somehow you can't get off. Then you need more and more to get less and less. Then you become a slave to something, trying to get a dopamine hit. Oh boy, you know, the telephone is a very handy thing, the smartphone. Now it seems everybody's addicted to the thing. I've heard many people say, oh, if only we didn't have the smartphone. It seems people talked more. Now the young kids don't say anything. They just sit at the table and text each other while they're sitting at the dinner with their parents. Is that true? I just saw a video where someone was saying, this is the world before the year 2000. And uh, this was the world in 2002 before the smartphone. And they said, look, everybody's smiling. Everybody's talking. Everybody's waving. Everybody wants to be on camera. Now nobody wants to be on camera. Nobody's waving. Nobody's smiling. Everybody's into their phone. Everybody's into the God of the internet on their phone. Because on the phone, you can do anything. You can get anything. You can get the accolades of millions. You could have 5,000 friends on Facebook. But who do you really know? Who do you really interact with? Who is really for you? Anyways, I digress. Just having fun. It says you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. And she saw that the tree was good for food. And it was a delight to the eyes that the tree was desired to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate too was he right there when i read this text i think oh it's just her and the snake talking is that how it was before did she say hey adam i've heard this amazing person you gotta hear this you got to hear this guy. I mean, I know. Yeah, I know. You told me not. I didn't touch the fruit. Yeah, it's the tree of good and evil. Yeah, whatever evil is. I don't know about the dying thing. I never touched it. I never ate from it. But you got to hear this guy talking. He's amazing. He's so enlightened. He has. I, I mean, when we have our conversations with God, God never says any of these things. I mean, you know, this guy is saying that God only gave us partially the medicine. The, the message. He's saying that he has the other pieces. He's saying that we've only got 99.9% .9 capability. And if we listen to him and we go with this fruit, it's going to make us smarter. We're going to get that 0.1% that we're looking for. I know, I know there's some doubts. You have some doubts. Me too. Listen, I'm not saying we're going to do, let's just go hear him talk. Because it says, it says she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, quote, who was with her and he ate. Why didn't Adam show leadership? Why didn't he open his mouth and say something? Was he afraid? Was he scared? Was he interested in the fruit too? Sure, he was curious too. Curiosity just didn't kill the cat. It killed the dog too. Maybe he was curious. Hey, maybe, maybe my wife's got a point. What do you think? Is that true? I mean, may, maybe we need to look a little bit closer at this. Like, but it says she took of it. She, she took the plunge. 
she took the plunge. I know that there's something in John, in the book of 1 John, and it says, what is sin? It's the, it's the pride of life, it's the lust of the flesh, it's the lust of the eyes. And a sermon, um, someone who preached a sermon or a commentator said that all of those things were contained in the temptation of our first parents, Genesis 3. The pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes. I can't quite find the verse, but that is contained in the temptations that were given to our first parents. It says, verse 7, the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked. Were they always naked and they didn't know it? I would like to think that they were wearing a cloak of light and when they ate it, it, the cloak of light went away. I would like not to think that they're, you know, they were nudists walking around in the Garden of Eden. That just sounds a little weird to me, but that's just me. I'm just adding my own hermeneutic and Bible says not to do that. Well, you're allowed your opinion, um, but like I said, the Bible doesn't say anything like that. It just says the eyes of both were opened. Sounds to me like their eyes were open, like were their eyes closed before? Because in the Bible, it says to, to know God and Jesus is to open your eyes. To open your eyes, it sounds, it, in the other parts of the Bible, sounds to, to, to get the complete picture, to see God in total, to, to see the message, to realize now, to have a new perspective. But it almost says that here, the eyes of both were opened. How come it wasn't written the eyes of both were closed? The eyes of both were now closed to God and they could no longer discern God like before. Why wasn't it written that way? I'm not here to offer improvements to the Bible. The Bible is God's perfect word. But I just wonder why it was, why it was written that way. Because it seems for them to be open and see they were naked means their eyes at the same time had to close towards God. God wasn't with them like he was before. They didn't trust him like they did before. They didn't have that close relationship like they did before. It's like all of a sudden there's a distance now between them and God. Now that trust, that 100% trust relationship is gone. It's been, it's been punctured. It's been wounded. Maybe it's not destroyed completely, but it, it's, it's now in tatters. You know, I guess it's like getting married to somebody and then one person cheats. And whatever happens in that marriage, if the two people stay together, it takes a long time to rebuild that trust back. It takes a long, long time. Even if the two people want to work together, the one person who got cheated on is always going to have in the back of their mind, well, um, she did it once. Can she do it again? Or... He did it once. Will he do it again? You have to try harder to, to regain that trust because the relationship has been wounded. And that's to me what it said here in verse 7. The relationship has now been wounded. They knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They tried to cover their nakeds with their own works, their own righteousness. That's what it says here. 
That's what it says in the King James as well. The eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Aprons. So all of a sudden they're embarrassed now. They're embarrassed between between each other. Are they embarrassed before God? God's not there. Well, God's everywhere, but in the store, he's not, he's not there yet. Why, why are they embarrassed before each other, though? What happened to the total trust between Adam and his wife? What happened to that trust? Even between two people who are intimately connected, there's a mistrust, there's a distance, there's a darkness. I sometimes feel that they could read each other's minds. That's just me. That they were so integrated. Even their minds were integrated. And when that happens, the minds were separated. I remember seeing a movie where um, this guy could all of a sudden, he could read the thoughts of his wife. And uh, she was, he, she, he was getting all these uh, recordings from her mind. Oh, he's so stupid. What a dumb guy. Why did I marry him? He's a complete loser. Meanwhile, she's talking to him and saying all the wonderful things, all the wonderful wife things, but he can hear her vo he can hear her thoughts. And he's absolutely dismayed and horrified that her thoughts are totally the opposite of what she's saying. Because he's believing that what she's saying is exactly what she's thinking and nothing could be further from the truth. And it seems that if we live in a world where where if we could read each other's minds, if you could read the minds of the people around you, even your, your family, your spouse, your kids, sometimes they would think thoughts about you that should not be repeated. Oh, dad is so dumb. Oh man, he's a loser. I hope I'm not like this loser when I grow up. Whew, I'm way smarter than him. Wow, he's 50 something years old. I'm 17 years old. I'm so much smarter. In fact, kids will tell you that they're smarter than you. But now to have to, they're going to think it. And now to be bombarded with all these thoughts. So God did us a favor by stopping us from being mentally connected. He stopped us from being telepathically connected. I think it does, the Bible doesn't say that. I'm just making it up. But what if that were the case? What if there was so much harmony and integration that people, well, Adam and Eve, were connected to each other, totally integrated on the spiritual, the physical, the mental, and the emotional. And when sin came, it was like a knife. It just cut us off and put us on our own silos. We're kind of isolated. I can't know what you're thinking. You can't know what I'm thinking. The only way I can try to tell you what I'm feeling or, is through words, through communication. And isn't that hard? Don't they say that all marriages survive, the good ones? Marriages are not made, they're built. Uh, who am I to really say since I don't have a functioning marriage anymore? But it's like communication, communication, communication. And communication and relationship needs time. And that's the one thing people just don't seem to have anymore. There's no time. Everybody's impatient. They want it yesterday. Nobody's calm. Everybody's not slowing down. They're speeding up. Relationships are hard. Everything is hard. Communication is hard. People don't talk anymore. They just sit on their phones or watch movies, whatever it is. People don't talk. People are not calm. Things are not slow 
the, even the older people say, why? I can't. I don't understand all this Internet stuff. I don't understand all these passwords. What are we, spies? Everything is just moving so fast. And yet relationships need time. They need communication. It takes time. Even if you become a Christian, it takes time to be a Christian. It takes time to have a relationship with God. God shows up and he says, who told you? Who told you to eat of the tree that I commanded you not to eat? Adam was afraid of God. Eve was afraid of God. They hid from God. All of a sudden, God, who was their father and their friend, they're afraid of him. Something has happened. Something has gone radically wrong in Tinseltown. Things are not going according to plan. The relationship has been fractured and cut. And so, so, uh, so then we get the blame shifting now. The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit. Okay, God says, um, Eve, what have you got to say for yourself? Well, uh, uh, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. <laughs> then God turns to the serpent. Okay, what have you got to say for yourself now? And the serpent says, wait a second. How come everybody's blaming me? Let's start that again. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm being a little facetious. God says, because you've done this, you're cursed. On your belly, you're going to go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. That's kind of scary because I remember looking at an animal show and this guy turned over a snake and he said, see all those little things? We think that the snake used to have legs and now it doesn't anymore. Isn't that weird? God says, now you got to crawl on your belly. You're the lowest of all the creatures. So the craftiest creature, the, the, the creature who was up pretty high, the one that was up in the tree for whatever reason, he's got no more legs. I mean, was that, is that a curse by God? Is that a metaphorical curse? Or is that a real curse? Did he have his legs taken away? You have to drag around in the dust. You have to drag yourself around. You have no more legs. You can't walk anymore. I will put enmity between you and the woman, God says, and between your offspring and her offspring. And one of the footnotes is seed. Isn't that funny? Seed. And the Bible is, is uh, you know, written, uh, you know, like the Jewish people who who uh, write the Bible books, they're kind of an agricultural um, race. They plant crops and harvest, and that, they get that from seed. And I think in Galatians, Jesus is called the seed of the woman, the seed. He's called the seed. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your heel, and you shall bruise his heel. He shall bruise your head, sorry, and you shall bruise his heel. I know a fancy word about Genesis 3.15. Can I tell, can I tell, can I tell? A fancy word. This is called the eschaton, the proto-gospel. This is saying that the person coming from Eve, someone who is the deliverer, is going to come along and he's going to kill you. You're going to hurt him by bruising his heel. Like you're going to damage him, but he's eventually going to kill you. And everyone agrees that this is talking about the Messiah, that every woman that came along said, could my son be the one? Could my son? It sort of passed from generation to generation. Could I be the mother of the Messiah? Could I be the mother of this great leader that's going to destroy sin? This is the eschaton. What a cool word. It sounds like a transformer robot. I am the eschaton, and you're not. Optimus Prime, 
with his sidekick, the Eschaton. Well, this is the proto-gospel, and this is a promise that the Messiah is coming, the Deliverer is coming to destroy what Satan has done. Satan brought in death. We embrace death. We want to do it ourselves. We don't want God in the picture. We don't trust God. We'll get it done ourselves. Thanks for coming out, God. We got this. We got this. We got this. Guess what? We don't got it. The Messiah is coming from God. The Messiah is a human being that's going to destroy Satan for what he did to the human race, tempting the human race to fall. God says, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing and pain you shall bring forth children. It's something. When you want to do something in this world, when you want to bring forth life, when you want to do anything, there's pain. You go to the, I go to the gym, no pain, no gain. I'm thinking, I love this. I love getting a pump, but it hurts. Muscles start to get acid. Lactic acid builds up in the muscle. It burns. I'm thinking, I got to go through pain to have big muscles like Dorian Yates. Dorian Yates said, boy, you know, my father died. And he says to the guy who's interviewing him, yeah, my father died. And that was horrible. But I want to tell you, if Dorian Yates had everything Dorian Yates wanted, if Dorian Yates' father had not died, maybe that I would have been happier. But would there have been Dorian Yates, the bodybuilder? And then he says, no. He says, I, I put myself through enormous amounts of pain to build the body that I did. No pain, no gain. A woman has a child and it's horrible pain. Have you ever seen the movies? The woman grabs the guy and says, Eddie, I hate you. I'm never having any more kids after that. The man is totally alarmed and he says, breathe, breathe. And then she has a child. From the pain comes forth new life. And somehow it's the curse. Life is hard on this planet. This planet is cursed. We are cursed or we cursed ourselves or God took away life or God withdrew the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden entropy was born. Everything is cycling down. Everything is degrading. The whole universe was subject to futility in Romans 8. Is the whole universe dying? Are there other races out in the universe that are perfect? I have no idea. I would like to think so. Maybe those dudes, all those lights in the sky, they really are races from another planet. Are they perfect? Did they ever sin? I really have no idea. Are they allowed to land on this planet? I don't really have any idea because maybe we would contaminate them with sin. God doesn't want that. They were never tempted. They never fell. I have no idea. Maybe it's just God and Jesus and then the angels, the sons of God are really just the angels and they're all in another dimension and this whole universe is cursed. We're the only people in this universe. I guess I would be pretty arrogant to assume something like that as I have no proof. But wouldn't it be weird if God created us and the whole universe was supposed to be perfect, but somehow we messed it up? Why would God allow the whole entire universe to be messed up just because we messed up on planet Earth? Let's just keep planet Earth, you know, let's just sort of put some yellow tape around planet Earth and all the other people can't come here. This place is contaminated and should be quarantined. I have no idea. I'm just making it up. To Adam, God says, because you've listened to the voice of your wife and you've eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. 
Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all throughout your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Boy, doesn't that sound so futile? You're born, you have a life, you try to carve out your life, you hope it go well, and then you die. What do you have to look forward to but death and taxes? And maybe you get a little bit of happiness along the way. Solomon was supposed to have written Ecclesiastes and he said, you know, everything goes wrong. What do you have? Vanity, vanity, always vanity. It sounds kind of depressing. If you have some good times, if you have a good family, if you, have a, if you manage to keep your health, you are blessed. And the way it sounds here, we are cursed. We are cursed to have problems. Kids get diseases and die. Kids die of cancer. Some people have oncogenes in their DNA through no fault of their own. It's the curse of sin. It's what sin is. Sin is a degradation. Sin destroys. Sin breaks down. Sin destroys relationships between people. Isn't it sad? God says, God says we're either cursed or God withdrew himself from us. And when he withdrew his power from us, everything just started to break down. It was like God made a fan and he plugged it into himself and the fan keeps turning. But when he took the plug out, the fan is still turning, but the fan blades are slowing down. They're slowing down. And one day they will come to a dead stop. Even the scientists who don't believe in God say that the universe is heated, is slated for a heat death. When all the atoms, all the quarks, all the neutrinos, all the energy will just stop and everything in the universe will stop. I wonder to myself, if you don't believe in God, how do you find strength to go for your day? How do you find strength knowing that in the end, everything you've ever done is for nothing? I personally can't live like that. My faith in God sustains me and keeps me going. And even though life is not perfect, everybody can say life is not perfect. But I can say, this is just a heartbeat of the life to come. If you're a believer, this is as close to hell as you'll ever get. And if you're not a believer, this is as close to heaven as you'll ever get. I know it's a big statement. I don't say it on fact. I say it on faith. But my heart tells me that it is so. God sent him out from the Garden of Eden, verse 23, to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Man, in his dilapidated state, cannot achieve immortality, no matter how much he tells himself that he can. We've seen all the movies where someone tries to get eternal life, but somehow it always goes wrong. There's a sword between you and eternal life, and that sword is the Word of God. For the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, 
Acts, or is it is it Hebrews 4, verses 12? Hebrews 4, verses 12. This is the sword to eternal life. How do you pick up the sword? You know how. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Bible says in John 3, He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaks of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. For what he sees and hears, that he testifies, and no man receives his testimony. He that he that believe he that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, and God gives not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loved the Son and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. But he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Do you want to get rid of the sword? Do you want to go back to the tree of life? The tree of life is coming from God through the blessed Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us the Holy Spirit for love in our hearts. Romans 5, 5. That is the way to get rid, to bypass the sword of death and enter into the city of eternal life. God bless.